The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. back to another episode and another season we decided we're going to be seasoned people of bio psycho socially distant even though we're both vaccinated the sound quality is better on Zencaster. yes and it's just easier we can kind of roll out of bed and just do it hey i went i went to church and went for a run <laughs> i did not i, I woke up at like eight o'clock this morning and it's now 1 30 so i actually woke up around the same time too but you know but in theory, we could we could roll out of bed. We could, yes, in theory, roll out of bed. And then I can immediately tell you about my weird dreams that I've been having. Anybody else out there been having weird dreams lately? Because everybody that I know has been having strange dreams. Like really vivid, really weird ass dreams. Yes. Yes. Please uh, call in and let us know. <laughs> this, is a, this is a live show now to tell us about your dreams. We should do, uh, so Sarah Silverman has a podcast that my husband really enjoys, and people leave her voicemails that she listens to on air. Oh, yeah. I mean, theoretically, we could do that. But I think either no one would call, or- no, our, um, our moms uh, would. Yeah, our moms would call, or yeah, it would just be people we know, or people to like harassing us, I think. I don't know. I don't think we're at harassment level just yet, but it would mostly be like, your mom to say how awesome we are, my mom to say- <laughs> <laughs> anyways yes strange dreams have been happening but we're back and we we decided to do seasons because we think that makes more sense in terms of like having a break and we have we're a little bit more organized now and we have about 14 episodes planned for this season yes and we have most of our topics laid out already although not all of them so if there's something that you're interested in um on our social media, please feel free to comment or DM us and let us know about something you'd like to hear. Yeah, it's like figuring out what we're having for dinner. It's a big pain mm-hmm. in the ass. So yeah, so if there's something you want to hear, let us know about it. But we have uh, over some very nice wine, we uh, we planned out our season. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was provided to us by my neighbor because it was apparently give a nurse a bottle of wine day and my neighbor was really cute and left a bottle of wine on my deck. <laughs> That's sweet. I'm still waiting for give your therapist a bottle of wine. Oh, uh, you know what? I what? I've noticed that we've had some new followers on our social media since yes! our last recording. So why don't we briefly just explain what we do here? Sure. So basically, so Kayla and I have been best friends for a thousand years. And I'm a registered nurse and Kayla is a therapist. And we both uh, sort of have an affection for strange and creepy and weird things. So we go over, you know, various topics, and we give our perspective as a nurse and a therapist. Respectively. Respectively, yes. It's kind of like, you know, it's kind of like drunk histories a little bit. Uh, (laughs) Yes. We tend to go off the rails every now and again. But it's just basically, think of Kayla and I as like, you know, you know, the weird village witches, and you're sitting at our table having midnight margaritas with us and talking oh, please, about yes. 
think about it like that. Yeah. Talking about, you know, all things weird and wonderful in this world or terrible in, you know, the case of our this episode today and some of our episodes. Uh, do you think I covered it or do you want to add anything to it? No, I think that I think that's perfect. Yeah. So what we're talking about today was a topic of my choosing. Yes. We are covering the Anthill Kids, which was a Canadian cult in about the late 70s and 80s. Which is really a bummer because I just think Canadians are just the most wonderful people ever. And the fact that they have their own creepy cult makes me a little sad. There has got to be that one guy to ruin everything. Fucking rock. I do have to warn our listeners, um, there's going to be discussion of child abuse. So if that's something that would be triggering for you, please feel free to skip this episode. And feel free to skip this episode. We, we're we here to entertain and some topics are harder than and others. And also, you know, physical and emotional and psychological abuse. So if that's something that's not conducive to your wellness at this point, feel free to skip it. Plenty of silly episodes coming down the pike that might be more conducive to your to your wellness. Yes. Um, I mean, this is just general cult stuff that yeah. we're all used to. Everybody loves a good cult story. Who doesn't, you know, who doesn't love a cult? Yes. <laughs> yes. The in people, theory. The people in them. Yes. <laughs> the people in them. They're not, they're not big fans. So I actually had never heard of this until you had told me, where'd you hear about this? I believe I was trying to recall that. And I believe it was from a Reddit post that I found a long time ago. And the post was actually celebrating the work of Georgia Brown, who was the social worker who led the task force to get the children out of the cult. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then I found out all of the horrible things that happened in this cult. And I was like, holy shit, let's cover that. (laughs) Yeah, let's cover that. Yeah, so there's so there is sort of a couple of heroes in this. So that social worker and one of the um, former cult members that we'll be discussing about. She was pretty. She was fantastic. She was a you know she was quite a badass woman that took her experience and tried to heal others and is a motivational speaker, which I think is which I think is awesome. That is not a requirement to anybody who has been through trauma. You know, you don't owe anybody your story, but you know, people that find that it helps them, it's, it is pretty incredible. So let's start out with. So our cult leader today, this is the third cult we've covered. Our cult leader is Rock Terrio yep. from Canada, Canada, the French part of Canada. I mean, like, yeah, the French part of Canada where people speak French. And if we went there, they would probably be mad that we were there. Correct. Also, um, if you, Kayla and I both speak a little high school Italian, so we, we might butcher the pronunciations. We did do our best. Yes, we did. Swear it. So, Rock was born in Thetford Mines near <laughs> Shikutimi in 1947. Mm-hmm. His father's name was Hyacinth Terrio. Mm-hmm. Mom was Pierrette Tremblay. Mm-hmm. Um, and they lived in an uh, asbestos mining town north of Montreal. So, nope. you know, nope. there, there's, there's asbestos in the air. <laughs> maybe, that's why, maybe that's why this whole thing happened. Maybe. He... His father, um, Hyacinth, was uh, abusive yes. by most accounts. Um, I believe there were seven children. Rock was one of seven children. Mm-hmm. And there's a neighbor that says both parents were abusive. Mm-hmm. 
he said like you could hear down the street you could hear mom screaming and he spoke of um this neighbor spoke of a game that hyacinth used to play with his children called bone where they would sit and kick each other in the shins until one person could no longer bear the pain you could have just played red rover but sure I mean, I most mean, people like throw a ball with their kids or play Barbies or something. <laughs> my dad used to let my dad and I used to play soccer in the kitchen. Ooh, that was risky with like a soft ball. But that was like one of my favorite childhood memories. We would set the timer on the stove, and yeah, we had you know each end of the kitchen was the goal, and we would play soccer in the kitchen. <laughs> All right, I used to play board games by myself. So. <laughs> I mean, I did that. I mean, I did that too. But <laughs> in an autobiography that absolutely no one asked for, no, nope. from, from Rock to Rio, we didn't ask. He said he grew up in the bush, the Canadian bush, and learned to talk to animals. Like, are you Eliza Thornberry? No, <laughs> even even if you have an overbite, you're not Eliza Thornberry. He noted to a psychiatrist that he learned to heal at about age eight, or he learned he could heal at about age eight when he fixed someone's broken teeth or something. Um, and he went on to castrate cattle and pigs without loss of blood. Spoiler alert, this will become a theme. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if he did some sort of farm work and that's where that came from. But it's it's pretty clear that he was making up this fantastical, this mythical childhood that he did not have to make up for the fact that it was probably very bland and sad and tragic. It's probably a, like a little bit of escapism for him. And he also, I don't want to get ahead of you or steal your thunder. He had um, history of substance abuse, mm -hmm. uh, which could be a product of a super abusive, you know, a super amount of abuse in your past. Not always, yeah. but yeah. Tra trauma from early trauma. life. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, Dad was also the, a member of the White Berets, which was kind of a militant Catholic organization, I guess, which, you know, it kind of shaped the way that he parented his children as well and caused Rock to be to grow up and kind of hate Catholics. Yes, which I found, which is, you know, rather common for people that grew up in a really, really strict religious mm -hmm. environment. They either become a part of it or they go completely in the other direction. So he found instead the seven-day Adventists. Yes, which is sort of a, I even wrote it like this in my notes, sort of a straight edge... <laughs> brand of Christianity. Uh, they don't drink, they don't smoke, they dress very modestly. And coming from the fact that he had a huge substance abuse issue, that he was sort of drawn to that. Mm -hmm. And I think he was also drawn, drawn to the fact that they try to focus on holistic wellness and yep. like naturopathic cures. Um, he was really into that. Yeah, healthy eating, all that good stuff. But it's interesting. The seventh after a while, he, you know, he started preaching at the Seventh Day Adventist Church and he like got a little too charismatic for them. Yes. He was a very good salesman, which worked for them yeah. at first. But they noticed that his charisma started drawing in the wrong crowd and he was getting a little unhinged in the way that he was preaching and stuff like that. They were buying him and not the church. Yes, exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. Which is common in organized religion. You're, you're kind of there for the pastor rather than the church at times, but that's beside mm -hmm. the point. Uh, it's another topic for another day. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so he sort of had, you know, had a little bit of a following and a, started his 
little mini cult. Uh, it's the happy beginnings of a cult. Every cult kind of starts off as like benign and a good idea. And then it goes and then it just goes to shit. Yeah. I mean, I think it takes that one person to say it to give an us versus them sort of attitude Mm -hmm. around the whole thing, because now we have to separate ourselves as if it's us versus them. And rock wanted to be, and I don't, I don't know what it's called in this faith, but like an elder member, a, a leader, yeah, and was turned down because they felt like he was a little dangerous, maybe. And so it was at that point he was like, "Well, fine, we don't need you." And then off they went. He started a ho- holistic wellness store, I think. Yeah, that's what I that's what I got out of it. Like it was like a naturopath, like a like a health food store, sort mm-hmm. of. They had one in our hometown when we were growing up. We did. I don't think it's there anymore, sadly. It's not. I think it's a pizza place. Uh, (laughs) It's always a fucking pizza place. I think it's a very good pizza place, but still, pizza place all the same. So, yeah, so it became like, and then like, you know, it's all well and good, you know, hippy dippy, naturopath food store. And then, and then they went, uh, then he started, got a parcel of land and started a commune. Well, hold on, because. Oh, yeah, that's right. He he told everybody that there was going to be an apocalypse because of fucking course. It's always an apocalypse. They always. Oh, my goodness. They always it's, n- it's never like, you know what? Just let's just go to my commune so we can like hang out, smoke weed and chill and grow our own food. It's never that. It's got to be under the threat of apocalypse. I know. Can't we just hang out? <laughs> I mean, and 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 mind you, dear listeners, this was in. The 70s? 1978, they went to the commune. Yes. So this was a period of time where, you know, there was a a big societal shift. I don't know what it was like in Canada, but I don't think it was much different than it was in the United States. I don't think so either. Yeah. Cults kind of had their heyday in the 70s because it was a bunch of lost soul hippies. Like, you know, flower power didn't work. And then, you know, everybody was despondent and disenchanted so people were kind of clinging to any sort of hope and leadership that they can yeah um which now that i say that out loud we're kind of living in a a dangerous time for cults right now aren't we yeah i mean um i was just gonna say that there seems to be a a social shift in every generation which makes sense right because like in the 70s people were like the ideals of our parents don't work anymore and we're starting to see that come up again but in the mm-hmm. 70s, and I guess it's you're right, it's starting to happen now again, but people had this, were exploring kind of different religions and different mm-hmm. ways of living. So um, they got, there was a lot of like gurus popping up, quote unquote gurus popping up all over the place. And people were very into spiritualism and meditation and all that good stuff. That is, it. it, it is good when it's not part of a cult. <laughs> right, but it's like a great... Um- it's a great, you know, venue, if you will, for cults to yes. to crop up truly. Especially when you have, like you said, all of those lost souls, people who want to find purpose and meaning and mm-hmm. don't feel like they have any direction or any avenue. You know, all you have to do is find a charismatic sociopath and mm-hmm. and there's they, one in every crowd. Yes, and they've ensnared you. Yep, and he was and Rock was like the textbook cult leader of the time he said he spoke directly to god which by the way is always a red flag Mm -hmm. anytime someone says they speak directly to god just run just run in the other direction i'm sorry but up to and including the pope correct 
Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wasn't making that distinction either. Yeah, if somebody says they speak directly to God, no. No. Run and hide. And yeah, so he was, yeah, so he was the ultimate charismatic leader. He really reminded me of Manson. Mm -hmm. Funny, entertaining, charismatic, homeopathic healer. I actually want to read a quote from the art, one of the articles that I read about one of the leaders that continued to follow him. And the quote was from Francis Lafemme. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, uh, quote, uh, people try to make rock sound like a monster, like a butcher, she complained, but he is not that. Most of the time he was not drinking and performing his operations. He was a marvelous man full of passion, intelligence, and originality. He loved to laugh and dance. And that like almost, I don't want to say verbatim, but just very, very similar to what Squeaky Fromm said about Charles Manson when she would do the interviews outside the court when Manson was on trial. Because I remember her saying, like, he's not a monster. He loves to dance. They like, I, it was so weird that they both zeroed in on that. Like, yeah. I guess because dancing is a very, very human thing. Mm -hmm. And it's a very vulnerable thing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you kind of draw to that, but you know, they, they're still holding all of the power and all of the control, but it was, and it's also just, that's a hallmark of abuse right there. He's not a monster when he's not hurting people. Right. Well, and I, yeah. I, I would say those are some hefty rose colored glasses. It's, oh yeah. There's, there's a quote, I think it's from the show Bo Bojack Horseman, which I've never really watched, but it, when you're wearing rose colored glasses, all the red flags just look like flags. Oh God, that's a really good point. <laughs> Ouch. That yeah. that hit deep the first time I heard it. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's true. Yeah, that's a very, very, very like dangerous but very important point. You know, and just people in general, what they're willing to ignore or to normalize. Like I, I know he, you know, he did all these horrible things to people, but he wasn't a bad guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That that um, cognitive dissonance almost. Right. And it's that, you know, that theory that you can't hate anybody close up, which is 90% of the time a really, really good thing. And it allows you to see the humanity in people. But sometimes uh, you, you really shouldn't see the humanity in people. Mm -hmm. in, in this case, it's true, but you can't realize that you shouldn't see the humanity of, in somebody until you've gotten too deep into it. Uh, so any so anyway, they end up on this. They end up on this commune on the in the outskirts of Canada, Canada. Yep, Canada. And they, I think they. So the first commune that they mm -hmm. had wasn't mm -hmm. as far away from civilization, if you will. Right. And I think that one of the draws for the other people, because of course, if somebody's like, "I'm starting a cult," no one's going to be like, "Okay, oh, I'll great idea." Too. Yeah, um, I think he he was kind of setting it up to be mm -hmm. like, "We're going to feed the homeless, and we're going to cure oh, cool. people, and and help people get well, and things like that." And and that was the draw for the folks that followed him. Yeah, and it's I, you know I don't blame anybody that ends up in the situation, even people that folks that end up in like an abusive situation or end up in any sort of situation and end up in any sort of space that is definitely not healthy, that they have a hard time getting out of. Nobody goes into this saying, you know what I want to do today? Yeah. Get abused. Yep. You know what I want to do today? Heroin. Yeah. Nobody does. Nobody yeah. does that. You know, it's a, it's a slippery slope and you get there way sooner. And then you're like, you know, you're looking around going, how the fuck did I get here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So, and so, you know, then we have this group of, what was it? 22, uh, eight wives, 22 children and two male prophets are like, how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> yes. Yeah. By the end of it, it was, it was insane how many kids they had, first of all. Well, what else is there to do? <laughs> True. That's a good point. It's yeah. the 70s. It's not like they have <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> Exactly. Yep. No TikTok. So we're just going to bone, I guess. Uh, so didn't that happen a few days ago? I wonder if we're going to have any a baby. Bo- oh my gosh, a baby, a baby <laughs> boom after the uh, after the Facebook was gone for five hours. They. I remember back when I was working in the hospital, we had like one of the. It was the October storm of 2012. Eight, nine months after that, you want to talk about how busy the labor and delivery floor was? Oh, I bet. I yeah. bet. The same, yeah, it's the same thing with um, lockdown, you know? Oh, yeah. COVID, COVID babies. Yep. If you uh, if you didn't adopt a dog, get pregnant, or take up some strange hobby during COVID, I think you might be entitled to compensation. I adopted a cat, so I guess I'm shit out of luck. I started dis- distance running again, so so am I. So any so anyway so they get to the so they get to commune commune cult light and everything is going okay and then Rock ends up on a psychiatric hold yes mm-hmm. yes and the doctor bless his heart says that he was a wonderful man yeah what the fuck so he he but holds yikes. a press conference it's not even like a I know he holds a fucking press conference the psychiatrist and is like the police are harassing this wonderful man of god and i just want to tell you what an exemplary citizen he is and blah 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 this that and the other which is like what the the one time they harass the correct person yeah and then this and then the doctor's like no by the way i want someone to hold a press conference to say how wonderful i am and it just hasn't happened yet well because you're not a sociopath no which is correct. So they let him go. And not only do they let him go, one of the patients either escapes or leaves and goes back to the commune. So the mentally unstable patient leaves with the other mentally unstable patient. (laughs) His name is Guy Veer. And I think he's in his early 20s. Bless his heart. And they gave him a job, which is always good, except when the job is to watch the children. Yes, when you're unstable. How did that conversation go? Someone's got to watch the kids. Remember that guy that came home from the psych ward with me? Oh, he can do it. He's not busy. He can't like, you know, I'm sure there was like some wood that needed to be chopped or like a nice meal that needed to be made or, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody could have written out Christmas cards. No, we're going to have this guy (laughs) watch the kid. And it was and it had a horrible result as he beat a baby. Yes, the baby was the two-year-old son of Jacques and Maurice mm-hmm. Guerre. Mm-hmm. Sorry if we're if I'm butchering that. Their two-year-old son Samuel wouldn't stop crying. So Guy Vier thought it was a brilliant idea to just beat the shit out of the kid, and he passed. Oh no, no, no! He didn't pass away. No, nope, nope. Got worse. So he after this beating, it, it was so severe that he couldn't pass urine. Yep. So you have to imagine the internal damage done. Correct. So our brilliant uh, holistic medical professional over here, Rock Terrio, was like, "Oh, well, we should circumcise him." 
And I and Rock did the circumcision himself because that's what happens when you um, are a narcissist. Despite the fact that Gabrielle Levole, who is there as well, was a trained nurse. So she was like, okay, you want to do a circumcision? If I have to, I'm a nurse. And he was like, no, nah, I got this. He was like, well, I'm God, though, so I'll do it. Yeah. And he sedated the baby with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, as you do, you know. Oh, my gosh. So uh, the baby died. Yeah, so the, this little Samuel died, which is absolutely horrible. And then Rock being, you know, furious, and it, not that it could be his fault or anything, because, you know, no harm can come from sedating a baby with alcohol. He castrated the mental patient. Yep, he castrated Guyvier. Guyvier. That was yep. his, his punishment, I guess? Yep. Which um, got Rock sent to jail, as it should. (laughs) And the cult was told to disband, which they obviously didn't. Uh, Cults are a little harder to get get rid of than that. Yes. I also have to wonder now, I wonder what became of that psychiatrist who was like, he's a wonderful man. And then it's like, well, he got arrested for killing a baby. Oopsie toopsies. I, I mean, he's good. Rock was good at what he did. Yes. Yeah. So I I empathize with the psychiatrists. And, you know, we're, I always say healthcare professionals are just very kind, learned people. We're not perfect. We're not God. Um, I'm sure he, I, I hope he was devastated. But I, I, I would I, hope so as well. Yeah. I hope, I, psh, honestly, I hope he stopped practicing. But yeah. What do I know? This was the 70s. So he was probably <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, yep, probably had on a leisure suit and was okay. Uh, so so the castration got Rock 14 months in jail, which, all right. Uh, and many of the, obviously, a lot of the members of the cult stayed because they were, yeah, because they were indoctrina- indoctrinated and emotionally abused. So they actually go over some of the things that were happening on the commune that, um, we see happen in cults. We saw it happen in um, what is what was it called? Love wins. Yes. Why do I feel like it was called something different? Love has won. Love has won. Thank you. I knew there was three words. We saw it happen in, uh, with Jim Jones as well. So they mention that um, he can he was able to convince his followers that he was a messiah. Mm-hmm. They were obviously isolated. You know, living in this remote area. Yeah. There was sleep deprivation, nutrient deprivation control over sex. He would pit women against each other. He had like the VIP women and the the second secondary women. Mm-hmm. So he was purposefully dividing people as well. There was punishment for not following orders, usually physical punishment. And he was like you said before, he was an alcoholic and they kind of they described it as the cycle of abuse. So he would he would drink a lot, become mm-hmm. enraged, do something horrible. And then sober up and be so upset and remorseful and apologetic. And I mean, yeah, you love bomb. Right, exactly. And the the psychologist that they consult on the documentary that we watched kind of talks about, I mean, I think it's very clear that Rock is has antisocial personality disorder. And, and that's, he says as much in the documentary, you know, he's a sociopath and he specifically says that he, I mean, this is not like in the DSM or anything, but he says he's a megalomaniac. So, you know, meaning that he believes that he is the be all end all. He's the best in the world. 
he's a prophet he's god he's whatever and he notes that the psychi- the psychologist notes that um people who um have this type of personality disorder typically come from a very controlling household which he did so that tracks yeah it's almost like a um it's almost like a rebellion it's like the kid that's really sheltered goes to college and binge drinks the second they get there right. yep Yep, it's part, it's it's like it always is, it's nature and nurture, right? Yep. So it's part genetic, probably, and it's part, you know, I, I learned this behavior growing up, but I was the victim of it. So now I am going to exert my power by abusing other people. The abused abuse. Mm-hmm. All of this happened because of it. Lives get shattered, lives get ruined. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he gets, so they go back and they go to a more remote cult. A, a more remote commune cult in Ontario, um, which is it, yeah north. It, the cult this time is north of Toronto. I have right. like barely any understanding of Canada except that Montreal is north of us. Yes, <laughs> that's it. I hate to break this to you; it's all north of us. Um, <laughs> well, that's the closest big city. If we were to right. drive directly north, right? Everybody stayed on the. Everybody stayed in the cult. He was still splitting the groups. Um, Gabrielle Lavallee, who we get a lot of our information from because she was incredible and spoke out, um, said that her children were given to other women that he liked better. Yes, yes. And she said, that's the worst thing he did to me was take my children. No shit. I I can't even imagine. And they were kids that she had with him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and one of... Um, and one thing that she could hardly comprehend is that one of her sons uh, was crying, so he had the child left outside, mm-hmm. and, the, and the child died. Right. It was in the winter. He yeah. left. He yep. was ordered the child to be left outside in a wheelbarrow with barely anything to cover him. So right. he, he was five months old, and he died. Yeah, and she even – I even noticed in the documentary she couldn't – she couldn't even bring herself to think that that's how the baby died. She's like, you know, kind of attributed it to like cradle, you know, SIDS, like mm-hmm. sudden infant death, which I, I don't blame her. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even bear to think about that, about that either. But oh, that's horrific. You know, yeah. Yeah. They went, somebody went out to check on the baby and the baby was, the baby was dead. He also, he had an interesting theory on how to take care of, of children and oh yeah, tr- quote unquote, I don't know, train children. Yeah. He believed that when children were misbehaving, that meant that the devil was in them and mm-hmm. the best way to get it out of them was to beat it out of them. Um, and he he felt that the parents were often too spiritually weak to do that themselves. So oh, yeah. often Rock would take over the beatings. Yeah, he would um, stab their clothes, like hang them from a tree by their yes. clothes and have the other wives throw rocks at them. Mm-hmm. I can't even. And and I'm unfortunately uh, beating behavior out of children is uh, an all too common practice, not to this degree, but it is uh, it it is a more common practice than I would like to think about. Any behavior is worth their salt will tell you that punishment does not work. No, it ca- did, yeah, you can't it, see it, but I just shrugged. <laughs> it caused avoid it caught it causes avoidance. It doesn't cause behavioral change. It causes avoidance. Right. You want to end up in a nursing home, abuse your child, and they'll they'll make sure you get put in the worst one when you can't take care of yourself anymore. Anyway, we're not parents, but still just yeah, violence begets violence, people. That doesn't take a it doesn't take a genius to realize that. 
Uh, so, so he's doing all these horrible things. Um, the people in the cult are not leaving, which is not surprising because they're emotionally abused too. Mm-hmm. And they're even having members of the press come there and they like make it all look really nicey nice for the press. And then a woman, uh, one of the reporters, uh, Debbie Garalak came unannounced mm-hmm. and she said that children were so eerily quiet. Yes. She was like, the uh, <laughs> sums up here. Sums up. And the women, she said the women were very defensive about her even being there. Right. Which was a red flag for her. Yeah, but yeah. And she was calling him out for having wives. And he, you know, tried to do this Fengali thing. And she was like, yeah, fuck off. Yeah, he's like, you've come to the source. You've come to the... The source of the river. Yes, you're going to get from the horse's mouth, basically. She was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, no, bye. Yeah, and there were even, you know... when they were investigated, the children were removed from the cult and the women were given the option to either go with their children or, you know, have their children taken away from them if they chose to stay in the cult, which they all stayed. Yes, this is, um, oh yeah, I, I wrote down, because there was kind of a timeline in one of the articles, that in 1984, the Canadian government issued a nationwide alert after the social workers expressed concern over the children's well-being. And like I said before, the social worker that led that task force was Georgia Brown. Mm-hmm. So she assisted in getting them out of there. Um, there were 14 children that were yep. removed at that time in 1985. They were aged between five months and 16 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them went on to tell their foster parents that Rock sexually assaulted them. I'm sure he did. And there were, I read a very specific account that I won't repeat um, from yep. a six-year-old girl that was really terrible to yeah. read. And yeah. And then after these children were removed, somebody had to pay. And it wasn't the person responsible for it, was it? Nope. But I note that, and I think I, maybe this is pretty obvious, that that kind of pressure, I think, caused Ro- Roach. I keep wanting to call him Roach because that's how the name is spelled. And also, that's the creature that he probably Re- resembles most. Correct. Rock. Yeah. So I could see him having a psychotic break because of Yeah, this. yeah. Yep. He did. Um, and who bore the brunt of it was, unfortunately, Solange Boulard. So she was one of the more willful wives, which is why, you know, Kayla and I wouldn't do very well on a cult. We would not be VIP wives. (laughs) No, we'd be like those two bitches over there. Uh, (laughs) Those two bitches that don't even like us. those hoes over there. <laughs> yep. Big Lilith energy. That's us. So Solange was, was beaten first of all. And then he decided he wanted to perform surgery on somebody and Solange had been having abdominal pain. Yes. She had come. That was, that was confusing for me because I didn't know if these two incidents happened at the same time, but yeah, that she had been complaining of stomach issues. Yes. Which by the way, stomach issues are like the hardest to diagnose on a good day. So this asshole isn't going to figure it out. So this motherfucker dressed in red velour robes and a gold crown because we're extra. Um, Well, did you read where he got the gold crown from? No. Oh, my God, girl. I missed that. What happened? So there's a there was a famous polygamist um, named Alex Joseph who lived in, of course, Utah. Yep. Yep. He had nine wives at the time that article was written, I think, in the 80s. Um, He had nine wives and 20 children. 
And he oh, said God. that his beliefs came from the Mormon church in the Old Testament. Ugh. And he... Rock, I guess, went down to visit him, and mm-hmm. he gave Rock a crown and named him the King of the Israelites. Yes, he said he called himself the King of the Israelites. It'd be way funnier if he got the crown from Burger King. <laughs> Is that what you were picturing? It was just a paper crown from Burger King. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yeah. So, in the paper crown from Burger King, in the velour robes, which I just picture as a velour Juicy Couture tracksuit... Because it makes me feel better to make him look like an asshole. Yes. This, this is like um, disarming the um, Boggart in Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, basically. Ridiculous. And he's in a Burger King crown. He made Solange lay naked on a wooden table, which he fucking did all of his surgeries on, apparently. Punched her in the stomach. Jammed a plastic tube up her rectum, giving her an enema of molasses... And olive oil, which why the fuck? Don't those two things do like di- like molasses is sticky? Yep, and, and olive oil is slippery. That's correct. I don't know why. Maybe he didn't know if it needed to be sticky or slippery. Um, so what he, just, he, what he, he just did, did what he did was I, I put introduce even more bacteria because a plastic mm-hmm. tube he could absolutely perforate the rectum with that. Yeah, yeah. And then sliced open her abdomen, ripped out a piece of her intestines with his bare hands, and had Gabrielle Lavallee sew up the wound. Obviously, she died. Yeah, the I think the coroner said that she likely died from her stomach acid leasing, leaking out into her abdominal cavity. I was th- I kind of wrote down a couple of yeah, uh, her stomach acid getting out. Also, your I think if you've been watching, listening to Biopsychosocial, you'll know that the gut is filthy. Your gut is full of bacteria. And he, like you said, he introduced more, not only with the two, but the fact that he used his bare, probably unclean hands and other unsterilized equipment in an unsterilized environment. Yes. All those things. She could have hemorrhaged. She could have, a million other things could have happened, but don't you worry. He, this was from another article that I happened upon. They tried to make her come back to life by coming in her skull. Yes, he had the members remove her uterus. I should have said ejaculate, not come. I apologize. <laughs> and saw he had them saw off the cap of her skull so that he could ejaculate into her brain and restore her to life, which is some Jeffrey Dahmer level shit. That is some Jeffrey Le- D- Jeffrey Dahmer level shit. And also, why the f- <sighs> we're not dealing with a sound mind here? <laughs> Let's not try to make sense out of things that don't make sense. And here's, uh, this is why we have an E for explicit. I feel like the the aha moment has to come when you're ejaculating into a woman's open skull and you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? Right? Or uh, the people around you. Well, I guess they were too terrified to leave, especially at that point. But All right. But yeah, if... If you're a fo- one of the male followers and this is, you know, what was on your agenda for the day, boy, that's like, uh, you're like, huh. This is my life now, huh? Where do you go from that? I don't know. To therapy. <laughs> to therapy, yeah. <laughs> and you're really, so you, if you have to have to do one of those horrible icebreaker games and they're like, what's the weirdest thing you've ever done? You know, you're like, well. <laughs> you're like, well, what's the second weirdest thing I've ever done? Because I can't, I really I can't. can't I really can't explain the first one. I feel like somebody should just say that and then, you know, there would be a moratorium on all icebreaker games ever. I fucking hate those. I do too. I do too. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to. 
even though I have to do it when I do groups because it's kind of part of the process. But but I'm sure your questions don't suck. Well, hopefully not. No. Our darling Gabrielle Lavallee had to help dispose of Solange's body. And her body was not discovered for another year. And then a year later, a year and a month later, Gabrielle Lavallee was the victim of another psychotic break of rocks. What? I can't remember what brought on that episode. They said, oh, you know what? They said that she, or she told Rock that she was having stiffness in her hand. She wouldn't write him a fucking love letter. He's like, all the women are going to write letters about how great I am. And Gabrielle was like, eh, fuck you. Yeah, she was over it by then. She was like, she I'm was- a wife anyways. Yeah, she was like, you took my kids. I'm not writing, I'm not writing you a love song because you asked for it. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. He, he did also rip out eight of her teeth because she said she had a toothache. Which is, uh, which I could barely fap. I can't even. So he stabbed her hand to the table so it wouldn't move, like, you know, drove a knife through her hand and carved the flesh around her arm for an hour and cut off her arm. Yes, with a dull meat cleaver. Yep. And she escaped 19 days later without her fucking arm. Mm-hmm. And she, and by the way, she had been in the cult for 12 years. In one of the resources, it said that she was stitched back up by another cult member and Rock cauterized the wound with like a piece of car, like a scrap metal from a car. What an angel of mercy. Right? Ugh. And she, oh, this is what stood out to me in the documentary. She said, you know, I didn't lose my trust in men. It was just one person, not all men that did this to me. I thought that was pretty incredible too, because mm-hmm. that's like... Uh, she got her arm cut off. She a guy cut off it after he systematically abused her for over a mm-hmm. decade. He cut her arm off and she's like, I gotta go. And left with I can't believe she didn't die, first of all, which is absolutely a miracle if you ask me. Mm-hmm. Um and she said, you know, forget it. And she didn't, you know, she didn't hide from this. She wrote an expose. She found the daughter that was placed for adoption. And she said, you know, he was terrible. She goes, he was awful. And I thought it was amazing. And she went, he was awful when he was sober, too. Good for her. Yeah, he was an asshole then. So um, her leaving and she went to authorities um, actually got him on trial for the murder of Solange and 84 other counts of brutality. Too little, if you ask me. And he went to jail and was killed by uh, another inmate in jail. And what did you, you found this, I think, I remember finding it the first time I researched this, but you had found the article more recently about the other inmate that murdered him. I did. So, so Kayla and I were going to send him, um, you know, commissary money for some ramen, but we decided to find out what he was in jail for before we did that. And uh, he was incarcerated for murdering a taxi cab driver who he felt overcharged him. Which is a bit excessive. Which is a bit much. Which is a bit much. I mean, you could just give a bad Yelp review. Afterwards, he said, am I the drama? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, sir. You are the drama. And I am happy that he killed. I am happy that he killed Rock. I'm not going to. I'm not going to shy away from that. I don't. I think except for the. So the, there were three women that moved into cabins that were like next to each other after all of this happened and they had a bakery together or have a bakery together Mm -hmm. and they were doing conjugal visits with him yeah he continued to father children while he was in jail and i'm pretty sure all of the kids were like immediately taken away oh yeah oh yeah 
Ugh. There's always like a couple, it's like same thing with Manson, you know, uh, there's always a couple of followers that really, really hang tough. And that quote that I read was from that era when he was in jail. It's still, it still goes to show. The psychologist in the documentary um, made a point of saying, you know, if Rock is a sociopath, if he has antisocial, antisocial personality disorder, there's no cure for that, mm-hmm. um, which is especially true of that personality disorder. I right. mean, there are different um, modalities to treat different, you know, like borderline personality disorder responds very well to dialectical behavior therapy, for instance. But mm-hmm. when it comes to ASPD, forget it. And so he says, you know, the only thing you can do is either monitor and or keep the person incarcerated. Yeah, that struck me too, because it's, and it is also just a very, very rare thing. So it's minimizing, it's minimizing harm and not that, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. There's nothing else. You, that's how you reduce harm in that situation is by keeping that person locked away. And that that's right. a kind of a controversial topic in, in my field. It is. Because what do you do with these people to keep the rest of society safe? What do you do with them? Right. You can't, you can't like, you know, tell them, just promise you're not going to kill anybody. Right. Because yeah. it was, it worked out really well for the first psychiatrist he saw. Uh, no fooling, no fooling. So it's just, yeah, it's like, what do yeah, it's what do you do? And there's no right answer and there's no good answer because the thought of locking somebody up that hasn't done anything yet is, Mm -hmm. is, you know, it's troubling to think about, but you also don't want somebody in society that can hurt somebody else. Ugh, cults. Oh, cults. I don't like that. (laughs) I don't like, I don't like that for us. No, I, Jordan and I were saying if we started a cult, it would be like a fun one where we, yes. the only thing we would force people to do is like come to our sleepovers and do makeovers and stuff. Yes. Yes. Face masks. <laughs> but I feel like every cult sort of starts out as well. Like, we're, you know, we're not going to be like other cults. We're going to be fun, a fun cult. We're the fun cult. We're the fun cult. And then, you know, just shit starts to go poorly. Yeah, that's true. Yes. Just though we won't. We promise. Wink, wink. We promise to be a very, very nice cult. We're just kidding. We're not actually going to start a cult. No. We could we could barely remember to go to the grocery store. That's very true. That is so much it sounds like so much work. It does. Yeah, the like the cult followers be like, leaders, what are we doing today? And we're like, I'm tired. It'd be like my um my photography professor who came to class one day and was like, What do you guys want to do today? <laughs> that would be us. So what do you guys want to do? who wants to go see a movie (laughs) do we want to go apple picking let's go get some pumpkin spice lattes (laughs) oh my god we have like a girl scout jamboree and not a cult (laughs) let's go kayaking uh so that's so that's a wrap on the anthill kids god Ugh, Canada, why why you gotta be culting? You got wonderful health care and Tim Hortons. I thought something happened with Tim Hortons. Did it? I don't I know. Think that, I think I heard that they like changed hands or something like the there's a new CEO or something and it sucks now. Oh, that sucks. Right? I'm no. sorry, Canadians. I'm sorry, Canadians. It's you, You're still doing better than most of us. Please don't murder anyone in retaliation of Tim Hortons. No. No, they probably won't. They'll just be like, eh. (laughs) We love you, Canada. 
You're um, you're America's hat. No, oh yes, <laughs> you're a very nice hat. I guess we have to ask a random question. What's your guilty pleasure? My guilty pleasure. Hmm. Cotton candy ice cream. That's fair. I love it. I had one of my students tell me that it was disgusting, and I was very upset by that. <laughs> I mean, I don't like it, but you eat it, so I don't have to. Yeah, that's true. I also like peppermint ice cream when Christmas rolls around, but that's basically just mint chocolate chip without the chocolate, and it's a different color. That just reminds me of Girl Interrupt. <laughs> peppermint. <laughs> peppermint dick. Yeah, I told you that was me. Peppermint clit. That's, yeah, that is you. That's how I order it. What's your favorite guilty pleasure? Your guilty pleasure. Uh, I don't really feel guilty about many things that I do. But one thing I probably should feel guilty about, I read the police blotters all the time. I love reading police blotters. Mm -hmm. And obituaries, too. Oh, I love obituaries. I love cruising the obits. My sister used to write them. So for a long time, she was obsessed with reading them. I Oh, my gosh. I'm so jealous. I love that. (laughs) I love obituary. I like I, it's just interesting learning about people. So I don't really feel guilty about that because it's somebody's legacy. But mm-hmm. blotters, I feel I feel kind of guilty. In the sex offender registry, I kind of like decrease oh, that. I don't too. know. I don't want to know what sex offenders are around me. I don't. Oh, I do. Know. I do. No. And then I see them in the grocery store, and I'm like, oh no. <laughs> what was I going to say? My town publishes, I think, daily the police blotter, so you get to read like where the person was arrested their age, what they were arrested for, their location of arrest. And sometimes they give a little story, which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I I do enjoy that. And I realize, you know, there by the grace of God, go I. So I shouldn't. I I just find it interesting. It does. Yes. It's a little sociological experiment. So so eat your ice cream and read your blotter and read your blotters. And then after you read your blotters, you can come visit us on social media. Um, we could be found on Facebook at biopsychosocial and we could be found on Instagram at biopsychpod. Did I get them right? You did. Holy you find us on Twitter too, but does anyone really go on Twitter anymore? Uh, no. Yeah, so come let us know what your guilty pleasure is or what topics you would like to see us cover. Should we tease what our next topic is going to be or just let it be a surprise? I can't remember what our next... Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so it is one of... One of the true crime stories that actually got me interested in true crime after Mar- after uh, John Bonet, it's um, and also a Connecticut story mm-hmm. of Martha Moxley. Yeah, so join us next time for Martha Moxley. In a very special Halloween episode. Shenanigans will ensue. So in the meantime, uh, be excellent to each other. Do something nice for yourself. Don't join a cult. And we love you. We love you. Bye. Bye. Wait a minute. What? How come it's not showing like any sound waves? It's showing sound waves for me. It is? Yeah. It's not showing anything for me. But you can hear me, right? Yes. Now I'm suspicious that like we're going to record this whole thing and it's not going to come out. Oh, I'm going to be so pissed if that